here with us this morning. Uh, my lovely mother-in-law, sister, doctor, pastor, Shostran. Oh, my son-in-law has a birthday coming up. He knows how to work me. There's no question about it. He knows it. He does it often. And I just agree with him. I love that boy. He is most precious to me. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord on a wintry Sunday morning in Newark, Ohio. I got up, looked outside the window, and I said, looks like Minnesota out there to me. And I said something to Bishop. I said, does this look like Minnesota to you? And he started laughing. I said, I bet you thought you left that a long time ago. It would never come back. He just grinned. It was lovely, though, and I know the difference in the South and the Midwest is when we have snow like this, it's a party. Everything's canceled because nobody has salt. It is too dangerous to get out. Besides, Southern people do not know how to drive on snow, much less ice. Here, however, you have trucks, and so people just bundle up and get out, and I'm learning. I'm learning to be tough. I still don't drive that well, but anyway. Thank the Lord we're here. This is our 40 days of fire. We began December the 31st on a Monday to introduce ourselves to the new year and the new year to us. And if you are a guest this morning outside on our welcome center, which is where the coffee pot is, you will find a little booklet that says 40 days of fire. We are in the process of going through a 40 day journey of fasting and praying and seeking God. And this coming week, we are going to sacrifice the right to eat meat. And as my son-in-law said, those of you who are on keto, you know you're going to die because nothing fills you like meat. And so we're giving up meat as part of our sacrifice to the Lord. I started kind of searching and asking the Lord what he would have me say to you. And I looked up the significance of 40 in the word of God. And according to Bible and numerology, 40 is a time of testing, proving, and probation. Now, probation is a legal term that people use when they have offended in a point of the law and they are given a period of time to redeem themselves. That means you can commit no offense during your probation or you'll serve the sentence for which you were uh, given or to which you were given. And I looked up probation just to make sure that I understood the meaning and it says the process or period of testing or observing the character or abilities of a person in a certain role. And when I saw that, I thought, and we agreed to do 40 days. And I don't know about you, but this 40 days has been different than any other for me because I have discovered more of my weaknesses, character flaws, impatience, inability to sustain. This is why Jesus said, when you pray, lead us not into probation. Don't put us on probation. 
but deliver us from evil. So while we've been testing God this 40 days, he's been testing us. Do you know how hard it is to give up a Diet Coke? I will never forget the first time we started this and my husband on one of our many fasts, one of the first that we did when we got here, he was going to give up Diet Coke because he loves it. It's just his drink of choice. It's fizzy. It's calorie free. I mean, what I can see no, no fault in Diet Coke. That does not give you the right to go out if you have high blood pressure and consume a case a day. Please just let me put that disclaimer in there. Your sodium will go through the roof. But what was so funny is when he declared that's what I'm giving up, he walked into Giant Eagle and there before his eyes was a pyramid of Diet Coke. <laughs> it was a pyramid indeed. There's never been one before nor since, but that particular week, and of course the instant he saw it, he wanted to drink it. He doesn't drink that much, but immediately a craving set in. And where he would have normally drunk milk, he wanted a Diet Coke. When you start recognizing, and I start recognizing, that while we are seeking God these 40 days, God is observing us because we gave up some very simple things. We did not bleed. No one has bled for the name of Jesus. Nobody said we must give a pint of blood to the Red Cross or you have to crawl on glass and present yourself in your bloody knees before God. Nobody has said that. But these six weeks of testing has been for us a probation. It's character revealing. It shows how strong we believe that our sacrifice matters, that our prayers are heard, that this is a worthy endeavor. And I'm not condemning anyone who didn't join. It's not my place to do that. I'm simply telling you what the Lord has delivered to me for this morning. The first week we did early morning prayer. Now, early morning prayer is not my favorite thing to do. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night, so two o'clock has got to count as early morning. But this is a specific set time from 6 in the morning until 10. And just the fact that we said it made it harder for me to do it. I can wake up on my own at 3 and pray. But you ask me to wake up at a set time and everything in me rebels. Even if I would do it on my own. That first week of early morning prayer was to give me the opportunity on probation to show that God is first. First of the day. First thing I think about. It wasn't to prove God. I already know that I'm the apple of his eye. But this 40 days of testing is to find out if God is the apple of my eye. I'm on probation. I don't think I've done so well. Because for the most part, many of us tick off what we're supposed to be giving to the Lord as a part of a duty, a responsibility. But now that I'm observing it as an opportunity to be on probation, I recognize that God is watching with what heart, with what feeling, with what dedication I'm really doing this. Is this for me or for him? I'm on probation. I can tell you that. My character is being revealed in the way in which I have attacked this 
voluntary journey, which has a benefit to no one but me. Me against that clock saying God is first. The second week we did meaningful fasting, and that meant that we chose to give something we didn't tell anybody about. We just said, God, this is yours this week. It may have been the same thing every day. It may have been something different. Whatever you chose to give was yours to give voluntarily. And do you know what that means? It, the principle underneath it is, it is a sacrifice that cost me something. Someone laughed and said, I'm going to give up Brussels sprouts. <laughs> that was my husband. I might as well tell you. He hates Brussels sprouts, so he didn't give up anything. Now, I happen to know that he did whatever he does, but that's what he said he was going to do. Then Tegan Jane laughed and said, I'm going to give up broccoli. Well, she actually likes broccoli, so that would have been hard for her, but she didn't get the point. Anyway, if Papa's giving something up, I'm giving it up. A sacrifice that costs me nothing means nothing. It absolutely means nothing. And no one but me and God know because I'm on probation. So while I can con people who are observing me from the outside, God and I know the truth, I have to be honest, I should probably start this fast over and do it again this time with a full heart understanding. I thought I had my heart in it, but oh boy, I didn't hear the word probation until this week. The third week, we did meal fasting. That means you actually went without food. If you were trying to lose weight, that was an awesome reason to give up eating. But this wasn't about losing weight. This underneath the principle of denying food was this principle. Man does not live by bread alone. So for every meal that I got rid of, I was supposed to be eating something that would quench the hunger pains for pizza, chips, why is it? I don't eat pizza and chips, but I want them when I'm fasting. <laughs> Everything looks good. I think I could eat dirt when I'm fasting. It's like I actually start looking at it and anything looks good at that point. Finding any reason to put something in my mouth and finding ways to satisfy the urge to nosh. The next week, which we just finished, was media fasting. Oh, my word. Now, I don't know what you fasted. I unplugged all kinds of things. I refuse to look at the news because I get so involved in just the headlines, and it just drives me to distraction. And I keep looking. I think I must be looking for good news, and I wear myself out because there's nothing there. Just this week, I opened up the news one more time to see if I'd missed anything. And you know what? The headlines this week were just like the ones last week before I did the fast. I was like, why do I even want to read this? There's nothing of benefit. All it does is make me feel frantic. I didn't need it. So what is the purpose of turning off? It is to create a listening heart. In the silence, the things that bother me the things that are really important begin to come to the forefront, and I need to address some things. But as long as I'm distracted by Candy Crush, 
My favorite commercial so far is the one of the woman sitting at the table with a hammer and candy, smashing it and saying, level three. <laughs> anyway, what does that do? On that little candy crush icon, you know what it says? Time to relax. Well, you know what? That doesn't relax me. It's just like my brain goes into numb mode, and then when I close my eyes to pray, all I see are bubbles. That's not relaxing. Why? Why do I do that? Because there are things I don't want to deal with, and this keeps me from dealing with it. Or loneliness, or boredom, or... And I'm spending a finite amount of time on something that doesn't help me address the future, the present, the past, or eternity to come. Media fasting is to create a listening heart. Jesus, you're the only one I have to talk to today. What's going on? You said, call to me and I'll answer and show you great and mighty things. Well, I want you to do it. I want you to take me beyond my little life where I'm living, walking my 24-7, 40-hour-a-week life, and show me something that will take my breath away. That's what media fasting is supposed to do. It's supposed to make me step back and see something beside how I manage every moment. Suddenly, I find I have more time to think, more time to pray. I'm not driven looking for something to fill the silence because suddenly I am listening for the sound of his voice. That's what media fasting was supposed to do for us. Now we are coming to meat fasting. And I asked the Lord, what in the world will I say to these people? You sit and feast on pastor sermons every week. I couldn't even get a PowerPoint up here this morning. My license expired. So you're just going to get the word in me and that's it. No pretty screens, just the word in me. So I asked the Lord, what is meat fasting? And then he took me to a scripture. He took me to the book of John, the fourth chapter. And I'll start with the sixth verse. What do you feed on? When we fast meat this week and you can't find that gut satisfaction in a six ounce ribeye or a filet mignon, no more chicken strips at Cane's, and if you don't like beans, you're in trouble. <laughs> and David Post doesn't like beans. So now I'm going to have to be all creative because I love them and he doesn't. I'm going to have to figure out something that will feed the young man. And I'll probably stay out of his way. He might get a little grouchy. <laughs> Doesn't have all that meat to satisfy that longing to satiate that need for protein. So what is the purpose of meat fasting? These questions came to me. What do I feed on? What feeds me? When you don't have meat to satisfy, you're stripping yourself of the strength that most people need to do a job. And you know what the Bible says about strength and weaknesses? Jesus said to Paul when Paul asked him three times, take away this infirmity in my body. And the Lord turned to him after the third time and said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your 
So I'm going to debilitate myself this week. I think it would be easier to do without a meal entirely than to try to eat one with no meat, no fish, no chicken, no sirloin, no hamburger. I want chili right now because I know tomorrow I can't have it. I don't eat that much chili, but all I can see is a big steaming bowl of chili with fresh onions and a bunch of cheese on top. I can't even wait, make white chicken chili. I was looking for vegetable things and white chicken chili came up. The only chicken chili I've ever eaten that I like is the one that Jen Hancock, I mean that Jen Huey makes. I don't have that recipe. I haven't even thought of your recipe until today because tomorrow I can't have meat. What do I eat? and what satisfies me. What do I do to find satisfaction? Boy, that opens up a whole class of discussion. What feeds you? Where and with what do you find satisfaction in your job, in your skills, in your study, in your hobbies, in your pastime? Where do you go when you have a longing? When you're hungry, you go eat meat. But we're stripping ourselves of meat because we're on probation. Our character is being tested, not God's. Jesus already passed the test. I'm not sure if I've passed mine. This is why we are giving up meat. Nobody said hang on the cross. And the thing about dying is you only do it once. It's a whole lot harder to live for God every day than it is to die for him one time. So John, the fourth chapter, starting with verse 6, says, Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Verse 7. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. Verse 8. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Now, that word meat doesn't mean they were just going out to get a leg of lamb, some mutton, or 12 fish, one for each. That word meat in this translation of the King James means food. They were going to get food. Food. You need food to survive a journey before, during, and after. And then Jesus began this discussion in verse 23... He summed up his discussion of the woman at the well. He began to talk about worship. The hour cometh and now is when true worshipers do not tick boxes to say they went through something, but they do seek after God from their very innermost being and in truth-telling. Inside of them is a great hunger for God. So they don't just go through one day at a time of fasting this or that because they want God to be a vending machine into which they plug five days of early morning prayer, five days of meaningful fasting, five days of media, five days. Why are you doing this? Because my church is doing it. Jesus said, true worshipers say, this is my 40-day journey to reveal me so I can get into the presence of God. I need to know what I'm made of. I won't ask you to raise your hand to tell me if it's been hard for you to fast. I'll confess it has been hard for me. 
there's been a difficulty every week. And the media fast hit me hardest on Friday, the last day. And I was like, I'm about to lose my mind. I need to read something. I just need to read. And so I'd, I'd play the word of the Lord. I'd say, talk to me, Jesus. Why? Because I hear so many other voices that the message underneath what they say penetrates my hope. CNN does not give me hope. Fox News does not give me hope. They talk all the time, and I never hear hope coming through their messages. But when I listen to that Bible, even when I hear the worst-case scenario, I happen to know that the end of the book ends in triumph, recreation, redemption, and a beautiful new world where Jesus Christ reigns. I cannot find the sound of that voice any place but that book. Why do I need to know that voice? Because this is the hour of deception. We're on 40 days of character proving. I'm on probation. A 40-day period of testing me, not testing God. He already passed him. True worshipers worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeketh such. So when I strip myself of these things willingly, God comes looking for me because I have said, I'm looking for you. You're more important than my news broadcast, than the meat in my mouth, than the meals, than the sacrifices, than four hours in the morning. I must Find you for myself. Now, I've been calling on God for everybody else's needs. It occurred to me this week, I might need him for myself. I'm the one that needs to change. I'm getting ready to see how well I do with no meat. God is a spirit, verse 24. And they that worship God must. Everybody say must. must. Worship him in spirit and in truth. Nothing else will satisfy. I cannot tell you whether you're worshiping in spirit and in truth, but God knows those who do, and by virtue of his omniscience, he knows those who don't. Now in verse 31 through 34, after... Jesus had this conversation. His disciples came up. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him saying, Master, eat. Jesus, we've been walking for a long time. You were tired. You sat down at the well. We let you rest while we went to get food. We've come back with food. The woman left and went to tell everybody else, come see this man. The disciples missed the whole conversation, missed the whole interchange, went, got food, came back, the woman left, and then they said, Jesus, here's food, eat. And this is what he said, verse 32. He said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Something's feeding me more than the fish sandwich you brought me. Something is satisfying me more than what you can see, taste, hear, 
feel, or touch. He said, I have food to eat. This is the purpose of the 40-day fast. That suddenly, in the presence of God, we develop an appetite for something beyond our Diet Cokes and chocolate and media and Candy Crush that suddenly in us is birthed a hunger for something that requires asking, seeking, and knocking. Not just because you're in a trial and you're interceding for someone else, but suddenly the true hunger of your nature comes out not in the things we grab to quench our boredom, but in a deep-seated longing that is revealed as we begin to strip ourselves of the things that satiate or the things that fill us and don't satisfy us. I said there are things that fill us and don't satisfy us. We can be just like children who want to eat cotton candy and candy. I can always tell when my grandchildren are hungry. Tegan Jane is the dipstick of hunger in the family. She will dance right to the candy drawer in pastor's office. She knows where there are sweet things in my house. She will eat the first sweet thing that she can get into her mouth because she's so hungry and she wants an immediate fix. I know that that candy's going to wear off in 30 minutes and she's going to be hungry again. But if I don't watch her, she'll go back to what satisfies immediately and she'll never eat what will hold her steady. I'm telling you, the Lord is calling us to fill up with what really satisfies by laying aside all of the things that don't. Let's lift our hands right now. Jesus, we are in this house hearing the sound of your voice. Help us, oh God. He said, I have meat. Verse 33. Therefore said the disciples one to another. They were not spiritual. You know one of the da greatest dangers in this hour is that we are a carnal church. We are literal and we cannot see past what our eyes see, our hands touch. We cannot discern the times. We cannot hear the message beneath the words. We are just literal. And this is the judgment of the day of Noah. The Bible said they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage and knew not... That means they had no awareness of what time it was until the flood came. Now you would think if you see a wall of water coming at you that you ought to have a clue that there's a problem. But the Bible said they didn't know until the flood came and took them away. When they were being swept out to sea, it dawned on them. Now you say, I could never be that insensitive. Well, I could. 
I could be that insensitive. There are enough distractions in this world to absorb every moment of my time in pleasure or trying to defeat boredom or being involved in work. And as far as I'm concerned, work and pleasure are on the same stick. Why? Because they will drive you crazy filling your time. It takes all your time. Say, well, I don't watch TV and I don't get on the computer and I don't have Facebook and I'm not on social media. Yes, but I love to mop. I want to mop the whole house in one day. I want to get her done. I will drive myself relentlessly all day long to get something accomplished. And by the end of the day, I'm full up and spent. I'm telling you we are living in the hour that Jesus said in the days of Noah so shall it also be in the day of the coming of the son of man. This 40 days is to give me the opportunity to reveal myself to me and God so God can make a difference in my life. That's the purpose. That is the purpose, the bottom line. And Jesus said to his disciples, I have meat that you don't know about. And you know what they did? Has anybody brought him something to eat while we were gone? Well, I didn't. Did you bring him something? Literal, thick as stumps, couldn't hear what he was saying. They were literal. They were carnal. They were unaware. They didn't get. He said, I, something just happened to me. They saw the woman. They saw her leave. They didn't ask him, why were you talking to her? It was, I got lunch. They missed what was happening right in front of their eyes. Say, not me. Well, me, I can miss what's happening right in front of my eyes because I am so full of what feeds the flesh that I have not fed my spirit. And we cannot afford in this hour of the end time to let our senses become dull and our worship become duty and what we do for God become a box that we tick off. We must worship in spirit and in truth. Oh, let's raise our hands to the Lord right now. Jesus, speak to us. Hallelujah. Verse 34. And this is the punchline. Jesus said to them, My meat... What satisfies me? What fulfills me? When you're 26, you just want to get married and raise a family. Jesus was 30 or 31 here and never went on a date. 12 years old in the temple discussing scripture. It doesn't sound like much fun, does it? When there are so many things to do. So many pleasures to enjoy. And he said, my meat, what fills and satisfies and satiates me is not the pursuit of romance, marriage, job, job skills, study, fulfillment. He said, I've locked eyes with the Alpha and the Omega and I know my life is short. 
It's not short when you're 26. It's not short at 36. It's not short at 76. Nobody wants to die and nobody believes they're going to die. But I'm going to tell you at 30 years old, Jesus said, I have one focus. I got to lock on to God and whatever pleases him, that's what satisfies me. Well, I haven't even asked him the question, what pleases you? I don't think I want to know. Because if I find out what pleases you, then I'm going to be hooked into doing it. And I'd rather do what I want to do than what you want me to do. I want you to be a convenient Jesus. I want you to be my, my friend. I want you to agree with my life choices. I want you to agree with what I decide is important in the day. I'm going to give you a little bit of time and then don't ask me for anything else. Jesus, I just want a convenient God. And if I don't like what I hear here, I can go someplace else and find someone that'll tell me what I want to hear and what I like to hear. And if I don't like that, I can stay home and listen on television to people tell me what I want to hear. I can choose to support them or not. I could do whatever I want because there are a million voices that are going to tell me what I want to hear. Not what I need to hear, but what I want to hear is you are awesome. And it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. We're all God. We're all equal. He said, I made my mind up. If I have a little bit of time, and you know what's equal among all of us? We all get the same amount of time every day. That's what makes us equal. Say, well, if I had your circumstances, fooey, if you had my circumstances, you'd have to make the same choice I'm making. Who gets my time and why? That's exactly what you'll have to decide. Whether you're a banker, a butcher, or a ditch digger. Who gets your time and why do they get it? Because we are mortal. Jesus said, what satisfies me is not that fish sandwich you brought me. I'm going to eat to live, but I'm not living to eat. I got to find out what he wants me to do today. And I just spent an hour after walking six, I just spent an hour and 30 minutes with a woman who's so hungry she doesn't know. And I told her about the well of living water springing up. And that's my priority, not your sandwich. He said, not only do I want to do his will, but I want to finish it. At 30 years old, he's already thinking about the end. I don't know too many 30-year-olds. Hey, I'm 61. The end has only just started occurring to me. Never occurred to me. When I was 30, I was too busy, and I expected God to understand how busy I was. You fit into my scheme. I not fit into yours. You have to take what I can give you, not the other way around. We're on probation, folks. 40 days. Not to prove to me. You don't have to prove anything to me. We're all in the same boat. But why are you doing what you're doing? Why did you give up what you gave up? Do you want me or do you want to just be able to say at the end that you finished it in 2020? Is this a duty? Is this a choice? Is this dragging your feet? Or this is, this is my, I've got to get a hold of you. I want you to know I mean business. Suddenly, the prayer request is not about him, her, and them. It's about God 
what, is, what do you want me to do? What do you want from me? And I'm going to tell you something. Matthew 7, 21 bore this out. I have to confess, I don't like reading this any more than you like hearing it. But I'm just going to have to tell you what he said. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, using my title like we're on intimate terms, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. He said, here's who's going to make the cut. Whose will have you been doing all this time? I didn't even ask the Lord. I think Jesus must have gotten up every day. What do you want from me today? And at night, did I do what you wanted? And all night he stayed up just to call 12 names. Took him all night for the Lord to deliver 12 names to him to pick his disciples. I don't know that I've ever spent an all-night prayer meeting just to make one decision. He said, he that does the will of my father, he's the one. Oh, boy. I said, Jesus, I, do you mean this? What else do you mean? Oh, and then another scripture comes, Matthew 12 and 50. Listen to this. Whoever does the will of my father, that's who's my brother, my sister. And get this, my mother. You birth me by doing his will. You don't do his will, you can't recreate me. I'm not living in you. I'm not growing in you. I can't bear the thought that after all this time of professing something, that I have been doing what I want to do and not what he wants to do. This week, I'm asking the question, what have I been using to satisfy the longing inside? I'm laying aside meat, but I'm going to have to lay aside a few other things because now my, my attention is focused. Whose will have I been doing? In my relationships, on the job, I want to say I'm a friend of God and he's a friend of mine. And friends always agree with friends. That's not what God is. He's a savior and he tells us what we need to know and where we need to go. And I would like to do what I do. I'm, I've got to get on because this blew my mind. So here we go. We're at the second to the last week of a 40-day journey. Can you believe it? And suddenly now the focus is very sharp for me. Suddenly now I'm seeing a purpose that I didn't see when I started. I knew we were going to have to do it, but it wasn't revealed to me. Until setting aside meat, and I had to ask, Jesus, what was your meat? What? Did you like something special? Did you like honeycomb? Did you like carob? I know they have carob in the Middle East. What did you like? And he said, none of that appealed to me. I ate because I needed to, but every day I was focused. What do you want me to do today? So, well, I have to work. Yes, but one shall be at the mill. Two shall be grinding at the mill and one will be taken and the other will be left. Why? Because one is doing the will of God and the other is doing his own. Two in the bed. What's the difference? One is doing the will of God and the other is not. 
two in the field. They're at the same place, at the same time, doing the same things, but their direction comes from two different sources. One is, I'm doing what I want, and the other is, oh God, let me do what you want. You can't tell from the outside who's doing that. Only God, who knows the heart. This is where, after the Lord took me through this, I was like, Lord, my head is bowed. My heart is, they have me, you've hooked me. I'm searching now. I have to confess I started repenting immediately. Then he gave me a scripture. You should begin what you're going to say with your text, but I'm going to end with it. Because there's so much hope on this that I could barely contain myself. I wrote it down and put it in bold, and then I looked up every single word in the original Greek to make sure that I got it right. Would you do me the honor of going to Hebrews, the 10th chapter, verses 35 and 36. And if you have a Bible, I'm going to invite you to underline it. You're going to want to hold on to this with every breath of your being. Because there's something so phenomenal about this. That it's so amazing to me. That I realize perhaps, just perhaps, this 40-day fast is going to be more different than anyone we've ever engaged in because the Lord has said something from his book to address where we all are. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. Do not throw your faith in God away. You've been fasting. Maybe you've been far better than I. You've been doing it from the heart and, and giving it your all and focused and intense. And, and uh, I got a little distracted along the way. Oh, I fasted, but uh, I didn't feel this kind of intensity now that the meat subject has come up as to what satisfies me. And when I couldn't have meaty, I realized how much I like Candy Crush and looking at the horrible news and reading or just something to fill the time instead of saying, God! Your presence is heaven to me. I'm like, Lord, I just can't live this way all the time. What do you want? Cast not away your confidence. You started this fast praying some prayers and wrote down seven things. And you're in the fifth week and it didn't happen yet. He said, you're getting ready to get even weaker. You've given me your media. You gave me your meaningful stuff. You gave me choices you made. You gave it to me. And now you're ready for the fifth of six words. Don't let go of your confidence that you began with. You began in your strength, but you're going to end in mine. So I'll stop just a moment. Cast not away your confidence. There are several different situations where people who did amazing things for and with God through whom things were done that also went through 40. Moses went through 40 years in Egypt, then 40 years away from Egypt, then 40 years leading people into Canaan's land. 
40 days he was on Sinai twice repenting for the people and getting a word from God two separate times 40 days the 12 spies were in the land of Canaan and they were on probation and didn't know it because God was going to show them something and they were going to have to do something and what he wanted them to know was every place the sole of your foot touches I'll give it to you I want you to see God did not call us these 40 days to depress us with prayer requests he cannot answer he called us to strip off our strength so that by the time we're done we'll know there is a God in heaven who has power and authority that's the purpose of this journey oh lift your hands to the Lord we cannot do this on our strength you can't preach at your family enough you can't manipulate your kids to church you can't threaten them with hell but when you give yourself to God God looks down and says I'm ready to get up and do something stand still and see the salvation of the Lord cast not away your confidence Forty years the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness and failed God miserably in their 40-year journey. One year for every day they were in Canaan and refused to do something about it. You say, I don't know how to get through to my family. Excellent. You're right where you need to be because God has a plan. And when we become weak in ourselves, we become strong in Him. Hallelujah. Lift your hands. Let the Lord give us faith in him hallelujah 40 days Jonah warned Nineveh you got 40 days and God's going to judge this place 40 days Jesus was tempted not once not three times but repeatedly it was a time of testing Jesus not testing God and the devil wasn't being tested he was alone and weak to see what he would do to satisfy his own hunger and that's when he said man doesn't live by bread alone and when I give up that Snickers bar or that gum or that coke or whatever it is I use to satisfy my craving I'm saying there is something greater than what goes in my mouth that will give me strength to bring about the change my family needs. We starve the carnal mouth to feed the spiritual man. Forty days. The Bible said after Jesus came out of that probation, he was filled with the Holy Ghost. And that's when he began his ministry. Forty days after his resurrection, he showed himself to his disciples. Do not throw away your confidence. Well, I want it to happen in 40 days. It's not how the pattern works. Everything happened after the 40 days of testing. When we strip ourselves on this journey, what we're saying is, God, I'm making myself available to you, whatever you want to do. I'm giving it all, Lord, because we need a move. Well, I only want to give the Lord a little half, then you get half a miracle. Well, I'm going to only give the Lord da-da-da-da-da. That's what you're going to get back right there. He's not looking for half. He said, do you believe me? Do you believe that I can satisfy your innermost longing? Are you going to keep reaching for other things besides me? I got to know the truth.
I looked up cast. It means to throw away, abandon. And the apostle said, do not throw away or abandon your confidence. I looked up confidence. The absence of fear in speaking boldly. Some of us began this new day, 40-day journey saying, God, I know you're going to do it. I know you're going to do it. And the fifth week, we're kind of like, well, God, you know, I, I'm weaker, a couple pounds lighter, and I'm still fighting. Well, you know what you're fighting? You're fighting to keep believing. That's what you're fighting. You're not fighting your family. You're not fighting your job. You're, you're fighting. Do you really still believe this stuff? Or did you just do this half-heartedly? He said, don't throw away the absence of fear in speaking boldly. God's going to do something for my family. He said, don't throw that away. Oh, but it had Don't throw it away. You said it. Stand your ground. All this week I've been speaking to mountains. Then stand. Having done all to stand, stand. Well, if it doesn't happen, I'll just... Don't even say if. The weaker we get, the stronger he gets. That's the point. And the miracle you need cannot be done by might nor by power, but by the power of the Holy Ghost. That's why we let it rage in us like a fire. That's why we give vent to it, because we need the miraculous dynamic power of God to lose the captive, to heal the bruised, to set the lame free, to give the deaf hearing and the eyes that are blind sight, to raise the dead and bring the prodigal home. Who will get weak to become strong? Don't throw away your cheerful courage, which has great recompense of reward. And I looked that up. It means God will reward confidence in him. Not your family. Your family's not going to come prancing in here because they want to make mama happy. God is going to move because you refuse to quit believing him. <laughs> oh, do you believe him still? Raise your hand. Wave it. Do you still believe him? Do you believe he can do absolutely any and everything? I still believe him. I have no idea how he's going to do it. But I defend my God against the armies of evil. I don't care what happens. God's going to win in the end. Verse 36, here is the kicker. 1131, and I have come to the punchline. You have need of, say it. Want me to read to you what that means in the original Greek? Let me lay this on you. The characteristic of a man. 40 days of testing, Brother Shane. The characteristic of a man who is unswerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith and piety by even the greatest trials and sufferings. I want to ask you to raise your hand and tell me if your life has gotten harder since you started this fast because I already know the answer. Our church has been sick the entire month of January. People have had heart attacks, blood problems, more blood issues, bronchitis, pneumonia, 
You name it, we've had type A flu, type B flu. We've had heart attacks and stents and open heart surgery, and it's all been happening in the space of a month. A month is only 30 days. I will believe in you. I will not deny your power. I will not stop praying believing, trusting, worshiping, giving. I will believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe. I believe. I believe. You can remain standing. Okay, Jesus, you want me to wait a while? I'll wait with you. I'll pray with you. I'll walk with you. I might have to give up Candy Crush for a little bit longer because now that I'm on it, I'm ready for the next thing. You have need of patience. That, here it comes. Janice, what gives you a charge? What gives you a thrill? After you have done the will of God. After, 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 not during, not before, he said, there's something I want you to do, and after you do it, I don't want to ask him, what you want me to do? Because you know what? I don't think he has one thing for me to do. Ooh, the Lord gave me one thing to do in 40 days. Now I can go back to my old life just doing whatever I want to do with my time, with my money, with my attendance. I can do what I want. I'll buy one miracle from you, Lord. I'll do what you want one time for one miracle. Then I'm going to go back to the way I was. Jesus went through 40 days of testing. The Bible said Satan left him until there was another opportunity to come at him. He didn't leave him alone. He just left him alone for a while. And Jesus came out of that hungry and strong. <sighs> Lazarus, come forth. Prodigals, come home. For me to be able to say that, I'm going to have to get weak in the flesh and strong in the spirit. I want to move a mountain, but I got to get connected to the mountain mover. I want to heal the lame, but I got to get attached to the El Shaddai. I want to be a provider, but I got to know Jehovah Nissi. There's no way to do his works without knowing him after you've done the will of God. I want you to come to the front, please. So... So guess what? You know what I did? I looked up Will. Because I thought, okay. We sing, take me there, take me there. I'm not sure that we really mean it, but we sing it. I said, okay, 
What does that mean? And this is what will is. The will. I know the will of God. But then it goes beyond that. It says the desire of God. You mean he has a will and then he has a desire? Yes, I'm a grandmother. I will that my grandchildren play together and pray, play fair. But I'm going to tell you, I have a desire that they love each other. And when I see them doing what pleases me, oh. And then last night I'd worked all day long and stripped my sheets and got down to the end of the day and hadn't made that bed up again. I sure needed some help. And this delighted me. Siobhan said, Jana, can I help you? I said, Siobhan, do you want to help me? And she said, oh, yes, Jana. It's like something wonderful just happened between the two of us. She's done my will and she's done what I desire, but now she's doing what pleases me. They are not the same. Oh, God, I'm doing your will. I'm doing it. I don't really want to, but I do it, you know, but now... After the sixth week, I'm saying, just let me please you. Sometimes I'll see her pick up her clothes and fold them and put them in her little drawer. You think she does that because she wants to? You know what she's learning? My meat. I love to see my Jana's face when I say, Jana, I folded those clothes. And I turned to that little girl. You are so precious. Thank you. Oh. And Jesus got down on his face. On the Mount of Gethsemane. And cried. Please don't ask me to do this. This is hard for me. Nevertheless. Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes. I feel the Holy Ghost.